So I want to start by just taking us back. We're in week three of this series, and I want to recap a little bit what weeks one and two looked like so you feel like you're all caught up. So if you weren't here the past couple weeks, I'm about to give you the cliff notes, okay? So week one, April Farmer was here. Any April fans in the room? Golly, she was so good. I don't love that I'm following her, but here we are. And April talked about the idea of dating. She was incredible. She talked about not just like dating, but dating well, dating better, dating um, with the goal of like causing the least amount of hurt, right? The least amount of regret, the least amount of trauma. She wanted us to start thinking about that. And she asked like, why are you even dating? For you to think about what are the motivating factors behind why you are dating in the first place or why you want to be dating. Because I think, honestly, if you stop to answer and really think about that question, I think a lot of us look to dating to provide or to get what dating was never meant to give, April said. And then she challenged us with this really great question. She said, are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? Are you the person that the person you want to date wants to date? And I remember, guys, several years ago, the first time that I ever heard that question, and I was like, Whoa, like it really rocked my world because the answer was a very quick N-O, no. Okay, I was not that person, all right? And I was in counseling at the time and I remember processing a lot of my dating life with a counselor and she was like, wow, you really have high standards for the person that you wanna date. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Like, what's wrong with that? I've always been told, like, have really high standards, know what you deserve, And she was like, well, I mean, that's fine, but like, you're not holding yourself to that same standard. And I was like, you're mean, (laughs) I don't like you. But at the end of the day, April said that it's way better to focus on you rather than who. That we are better off to spend our time focused on becoming the right person rather than finding the right person. And then Matt came up here last week and he talked about sex. And I am so glad, I am so glad that I did not have last week. I'm excited to be here tonight talking about this. But Matt, like, he gets it. He was the right person for that talk. I mean, the man has five kids, you guys. Like, the whole be fruitful and multiply thing, like, he understands, okay? He's tracking. But he did an incredible job. In fact, if you didn't listen, uh, you need to go back and listen to both the messages, honestly, because they were incredible. But Matt took us all the way back to the beginning. He took us all the way back to the garden, where it all began. And he explained to us that sex was actually God's idea, that sex was a good gift from God. But, there is a but, that sex comes with a little bit of fine print. That like God, yes, he wants you to experience the best sex of your life, but in order to do that, it has to happen within the context of marriage. Because sex outside the context of marriage is actually rooted in selfishness. And what marriage offers is exclusivity. That I'm giving to you what I'm not giving to anybody else forever. And in that exclusivity, intimacy is bred. 
Like exclusivity breeds intimacy and intimacy was always God's goal for sex. But tonight, we're not talking about dating and we're not talking about sex. Tonight, what I wanna talk to you guys about is the idea of singleness. Seeing singleness as a gift. I wanna start off by telling you guys a story about this Bible. A lot of you guys probably saw me bring this Bible out on stage with me, which is like a normal thing for someone who is in my position um, to bring out on stage. But I'd love to share this story about how I even got this Bible in the first place. So on my wedding day, um, my husband and I exchanged gifts. It's kind of customary for the guy to give a girl a gift and the girl to give a guy a gift. But I need to tell you two things before I tell you this story because there's important facts before you hear what I'm about to say. The first thing is that my now husband, we had agreed, we'd had a previous conversation that we were going to give each other's gifts to one another at the wedding venue, okay? Important piece of information. I thought I'm gonna get my wedding gift from my husband on our wedding day at the venue and vice versa. And you could take that, put it to the side. The second thing that I'll tell you is that we had also had a previous conversation around like, I don't know, like kind of what we wanted, like what we were expecting on that day, a little bit of our budget around the gifts. And I had made mention to, I don't know, like maybe, maybe there's a world where you might think about possibly getting me a puppy. <laughs> I wanted a puppy. And I know what that sounds like, okay? I know, what, I know, don't judge me, okay? But it's also like not outside the realm of possibility for Dave to have given me a puppy on our wedding day. Like he loves a moment, okay? Dave is like, loves a big splashy gift. And so when I said it, I was like, this might actually happen, okay? And so our wedding, the night before our wedding, we had just had the rehearsal dinner and um, Dave, we were about to have kind of our last moment before seeing each other as I was walking down the aisle and he handed me three notes and he said, I want you to open this first one before you go to bed tonight. I want you to open the next one when you wake up in the morning and then I want you to open the last one right before you walk down the aisle, Okay. And so I read the one as I'm going to bed. It was super sweet. And then the next morning, my friend Carrie came to find me with the note in a box. A box about, I don't know, this size. And I read the note. It's very sweet, very thoughtful. I open the box, and it was this Bible with my new name printed on it. So sweet. And then I get to the wedding venue. <laughs> and there was a lot that was going wrong in that moment. That's a story for a different time. But where we had agreed we didn't want to see each other before, we, um, before I walked down the aisle, we changed the plan, okay, because everything was going down. And I just needed to hear Dave's voice. I was like, if I could just hold his hand, if I could just hear his voice, then I might calm down. <laughs> And so one of my bridesmaids, she goes up to get Dave and I hear her bringing him up the stairs and he kind of reaches his hand around a doorway and I see in that moment 
that he has on the watch that I gave him. One of his groomsmen had given him the gift, remember the agreement, and I see he's wearing it. And I'm like, you know, I'm crying at this point. I'm like, oh, you got your gift. And he's like, yeah, I got my gift. I love it. Did you get yours? And I was like, no, I didn't get it yet. And he's like, oh, did Carrie not give it to you? And I was like, oh, I mean, like, she gave me the Bible. And he was like, yeah, that was it. That was the gift. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I feel like an idiot. I'm sorry. I love it. But he starts praying. And mid-prayer, I'm, like, still thinking about the puppy. I'm like, so you really didn't get me the puppy? Are you sure? Anyways, okay, I say all of that to say or to make the point that a lot of times when we don't see something as the gift that it is, then we miss it. And a lot of you guys are in danger of that right now. You're taking a big risk. You're just wishing this season would just pass as quickly as possible. And so many of you in this room are just enduring this season rather than enjoying this season. And I believe that God wants you to enjoy this season so much. But if you're not careful, then you're gonna miss it. I wanna talk really quickly about what singleness is not. I think singleness is not three things. The first thing I would say is that singleness is not a life sentence. You are not gonna be single forever. There were days when I thought this might be true. There were days when I was like, I, might, I don't know. I don't know, I might be one of those people that's single forever, right? The truth is, y'all, that if you wanted to be dating right now, you could be. Like, there are enough dating apps. There are enough guys out there. There are enough girls out there. There are enough DMs to slide into. If you wanted to be dating, you could. But you don't want to be dating just anyone. You want to be dating the right person. Dating is not a life sentence. You are not going to be stuck here forever, Dating is also not a disease, okay? It's not like you could just catch it. So many of you are walking around trying to find the cure for singleness. Like if you're not careful, you might contract it like a disease. And it is not that. Singleness, lastly, is not a curse. Some of you guys feel like you might be cursed, maybe based off of your dating history, You feel like, man, I am not getting this right. I think my dating life might be cursed. I might be cursed. There was a time when I really believed that was true. I was like, man, I'm not doing this right. Like something's wrong. If I look back at my dating history, I had what I would call three more serious relationships. Um, My first relationship lasted for three years and It was my junior and senior year of college and then my freshman year, or sorry, my junior and senior year of high school and then my freshman year of college. And he was the varsity quarterback. At one point, I had Riz. (laughs) And I just thought that was like everything and more. I was so proud walking the halls of my school with him. And he was a little bit of a bad boy. I don't know if any of you girls have dated a bad boy, but that was him. And we made a lot of really bad decisions 
He made bad decisions. I made bad decisions. Together, we made bad decisions. I mean, guys, I do not reflect back on that time in my life and think good thoughts, okay? If I could rename this series, I would call it Riz, Roses, Red Flags, and Regrets, and we would talk about this period of my life. But we were very much in lust, okay? Matt talked last week about um, being in love versus being in lust. And we were very much in lust. But one of the decisions that I made in that three-year period that I don't regret at all and never will was the decision to follow Jesus. I was in the right place at the right time and the gospel was presented to me and I was like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, I want that forever. And so that decision led me to rethink a lot of my behavior and a lot of my actions And one of the things that I was rethinking and wanting to do was implementing some physical boundaries in my relationship with my boyfriend at the time. Because up until that point, there really were none. And so I took that to my boyfriend and he agreed to go along with it, to my knowledge. And then a couple months later, I got a Facebook message from a girl explaining to me that they had been sleeping together for a couple months. And so it was clear that if I took sex off the table, that he was going to find it somewhere else. And so began this lie in me, in my heart, was planted very deep, that I might be enough emotionally, but that I was not gonna be enough physically. After that relationship ended, I was like, I'm gonna need a minute. (laughs) I just felt so broken and I spent a lot of time in that season with God. And I made an agreement with him. I was like, I can't ever feel this way again. I really can't. So I will do whatever I need to do. I will take whatever time I need to take to never feel like this ever again. And so a few years later, I cautiously started to date again. And eventually, I would meet this guy. And he was a Christian. It was the first relationship I had been in where we were on the same page there. And physical boundaries, he led out on that conversation, which was a huge relief to me. It was a huge checked box knowing that we were on the same page in that area. And together, him and I got really serious, really fast. And we started to have conversations about our future together. We started to make future plans together. And then something just changed. Something shifted in his behavior. And I was pretty clued into it from the beginning. And I reluctantly asked him about it one night, a little nervous to hear the answer. And he explained to me at that point that he had had a conversation that led to several conversations with an ex-girlfriend that weren't appropriate for someone who was in a relationship. But that those conversations had led him to deciding that he wanted to be with her. And so that lie continued, but this time it was the opposite that I might be enough physically, that we might be on the same page physically, but that emotionally I was not enough. And together 
the sum of those two relationships led me to a very broken place, led me to a place where I just felt like, man, I am never gonna be enough. I am never gonna be enough. And beyond that, I am, at this point, broken beyond repair. And I just wanna stop for a second and recognize that if that's you, if you have been cheated on physically, if you have been cheated on emotionally, or honestly, if you have just wrestled with the deep insecurity of not feeling like you are enough, I see you. I am so sorry. You do not deserve that. People kind of suck sometimes. I know what it feels like to look around you and feel like you're just left to pick up all the pieces of your life. That was me in that moment. I felt like, man, where do I even begin? There were some days when I just cried out. I'm like, God, I don't, I don't know where to begin, but I know that you're in control. I know that I can trust you. But it was in that season that I was like, this isn't gonna go how I thought. Like, this isn't gonna look the way that I thought it was going to look. But realizing that if I'm gonna trust God, I also need to trust in his timing. The verse that I clung to in that season was Isaiah 30, 18. It says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. I sat on this verse for a long time. And I realized that God is more excited to give me the gift of marriage than I am to receive it. God is more excited to give me this gift of marriage than I am to receive it. It says that he longs to be gracious to me. He wants to give me good things. But God also has all the information. God can see what you cannot see. It says that the Lord is a God of justice. And so sometimes what that means is that God is going to set aside what you want for what he knows that you need, for what he knows is best for you. It was several long years later that I would meet my now husband, Dave. Dave and I worked together, which I didn't love. And Dave was not my type. And I was not Dave's type. And I was very vocal about that. And I was just in my head. Like I didn't, I, I was like, what if it doesn't work out? Then I gotta see you all the time. And that just freaked me out, okay? And I was vocal about that. Again, I told Dave that along for a while. <laughs> and it took me a long time to figure out how exactly I felt about Dave. But Dave was so patient and so gentle. And he was like, you know what? That's okay. I'm okay with that. If you'll just be honest with me that if it ever turns into a no, like you're not into this, then I'm okay with a sure. I'm okay with a maybe. 
But if it ever crosses the line and you think that this just isn't a good thing anymore, then just let me know. And I really appreciated that. I didn't know how I felt about Dave, but I did know that I loved spending time with him. We always had so much fun together. He was the best hang. And so we just kept hanging out. And weeks turned to months, and months turned to years. And eventually, our relationship, let me say, was not always easy, okay? It was not perfect. There were times that we fought really hard for each other. There were also times when we fought really hard with each other and still do. But it was worth it. It was worth it. Dave was worth it to me. And eventually he asked me to marry him and last June Dave and I got married. And I know that it is easy for me or maybe you think it's easy for me to stand up here as a married woman and say, go and live your single life. You got this. You got this. You can do it. Go and live your best single life. But I didn't get married, y'all, until I was 31 years old. And again, in the church, in the South, that felt ancient, okay? And being on staff, it felt even older. I mean, I would look around and everyone was married. I used to joke that working at a church feels a little bit like getting on Noah's Ark, like everyone's found their match, you know? And I just felt like the odd man out. But I always knew that I wanted two things to be true. I never lost sight of these two things. They were prominent in my mind during my time as a single woman. I knew that I wanted to have something to show for the years that I was single. I wanted to be so proud of what I did during that time. I wanted whoever I married to be so impressed with what I was able to accomplish, with what I was able to do during that time frame. And I think Dave would say that's something that stuck out to him early on, that I wasn't just sitting idle on my couch waiting for him to show up on my doorstep one day. I was out living my life. The second thing that I wanted to be true is that I wanted, with everything inside of me, to look at my husband one day and say, you were so worth the wait. You are so worth the wait. I'm trying not to look at him because he's over here and I'll cry even more. But he was so worth the wait. And our marriage is so much fun and it is so blessed and I feel that. But all of it was only possible because God was willing to take what I so desperately wanted at one point in my life because of what he knew was coming, because of what he knew that I needed. On this side of marriage, there are two really prominent things that stick out to me, things that I wish I would have known when I was your age or someone would have told me. The first thing that I'll say is that marriage can be a goal, but it can't be the goal. Like it's okay for it to be a goal for you, for me, it was a goal. I wanted at some point for my singleness to end, and I, I was honest about that. 
And I think it's okay for you to be honest about that too. For you to hope that at one point you do get married. For me, it felt so unnatural to picture my life without a husband and kids at some point. I longed for it. And it's okay to have your longings. That's what makes you you. But it can't be the goal. It can't be the only thing that you're after. Because when it's the goal, it becomes all-consuming. It becomes the only thing that you're focused on. And when you're only focused on that, it becomes an idol in your life. And an idol, guys, like that's just something that competes with your relationship with God. It's something that in your life is competing for your relationship with God. Which brings me to my next point, is that your relationship with God will always be the most important. Your relationship with God will always, hands down, be the most important relationship in your life. I still have to check myself on this inside of marriage. Because if I'm not careful, I'm gonna start turning to Dave to provide me things that Dave was never meant to give me. And I think that it is okay if you are in a relationship or if you find yourself married one day for your relationship to reflect God's love, but it will never replace it. It will never replace your relationship with God. When Dave gave me this Bible, what he was saying to me is like, I want you to turn to this first. I want you to turn to the truth that God has to offer you before anything else. That I'll do my best to reflect God's love, but that I will never be able to replace it. I'm gonna fail you and I'm gonna fall short and I'm gonna try my best, but I will make mistakes because I am human. But God will never fail you. I actually wanna look at a couple pieces of scripture. Um, the first thing that I'll say is that this comes from um, a chapter in, or I'm sorry, a book in the Bible called Corinthians. And April talked a little bit from this place. But Corinthians was um, Paul's letter. This guy named Paul, he wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, which we know is the back half of the Bible. And he wrote to um, a group of people in this city called Corinth. And he was talking about just like way, the ways to live. He was kind of giving them some guidelines and some wisdom for how to live your life. And so Paul, he starts off and he says this right here. I want you to be free from concern. Anyone wanna be free from concern? Like, I want that. I read this and I'm already like, okay, I'm in. Whatever you have to say next, I'm there. And then he goes on to say this right here. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. An unmarried man or woman is concerned about the Lord's affairs. He's saying, you've got all this time and all this freedom to focus on the Lord's affairs, to focus on God's best for your life. But then he makes a direct comparison to married people and he goes on and he says, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, which honestly is a full-time job in itself, and his interests are divided. He's like, hey, when you get married, your time, 
and your energy and your priorities, they get all split up. The pieces of the pie get a little bit smaller. But right now, as an unmarried person, you have the time and the freedom to not have a divided pie. Like you have the time and the freedom to give your undivided attention to God. And that is a luxury that married people just don't have. I remember when Dave and I first got married, we were like three weeks in. And we had been spending every waking second together since the moment that we got married. And I remember a very specific moment. He probably remembers it too. He was in the kitchen making dinner and I was sitting on the couch. That dynamic exists like a lot in our marriage, which is kind of nice, honestly. But um, he was just telling me about his day. He was just telling me about the things he was thinking about, probably talking about golf. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need you to be quiet. <laughs> like, I just need for one second to think my own thoughts, okay? Can we just time out? And I, we don't even have kids, guys. Like, I can't even imagine what it's like when you start to have children. One, two, three, four, five kids, okay? Like, everything just gets divided a little bit more. And that's just not a luxury that married, married people don't have that luxury. They don't have the same time. They don't have the same freedom. And I love my husband, but... It's not the same as having all your time to be able to give to God. And Paul finishes, he says, I say this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. God is not holding out on you. He says, I say this for your own good, Paul tells us, not to restrict you. He's not trying to restrict us, guys. But for undivided devotion, this word right here, devotion, it is the combination of two Greek words. One means beside and one means good. And so what he's saying here is like, you've got the freedom to get really good at being close to God. You get to get really good at being beside God. In this season, you get to learn about what it means and what it feels like and what it looks like to be really close to God through your undivided devotion. And when you are really close to God, it is so much easier to trust him. Practically though, because I want this to be very helpful for you, practically, I think that there are three things that would help you so much as you think about your singleness and whether you're okay with being single or not. I'd say that the first thing is this right here, be kind to each other. I know that feels really simple, but we can just be so mean to each other. Like the inner dialogue that we have about people that aren't in a relationship can be really cruel. I mean, I remember the whispers of like, is she single for a season or is she single for a reason, you know? We have to be really kind to each other. And often we start to think about relationship status and we replace it with just plain old status. Like someone who's in a relationship is suddenly worth more. Someone that has a significant other is some, somehow like more worthy than someone who doesn't. 
And here's what I have to say. You are not significant because you have a partner. You are not significant because you have a boyfriend. You are not significant because you have a girlfriend. You are significant because there is a God who interrupted time in history to be nailed to a cross on your behalf. That is how loved you are. That is how significant you are. And no amount of a relationship is ever going to make that any more or any less true. Also, when I say be kind to each other, I mean be kind to your friends that are dating. Be kind to your friends that are excited about this new thing happening in their life. Or be kind to the people in your life that are getting married. Because their happiness doesn't have to take away from yours. Them being in a relationship doesn't put a spotlight on the fact that you aren't. And here's the thing, is that God has never given to someone else what was meant for you. God has never given to someone else what was meant for you. And so you can be excited. You can be happy for them. You can be genuinely so pumped for what's going on in their life. And know that what is supposed to happen in yours is still very much on the way. It is still very much uniquely yours. God has not forgotten about you. You are not on the sidelines. Your life is not on hold because you don't have someone to hold, okay? The second thing is know your triggers. Know your triggers. For me, one of my triggers was someone telling me, I know someone so great for you. I want to set you up so bad with them. And I was like, Cool. (laughs) And that got said to me a lot, and it very rarely came to fruition. And what I realized was happening is I would get disappointed. And so I had to learn that whenever someone said that to me, I was going to hold it as loosely as I possibly can. I was not going to take it to heart. But for you, one of your triggers might be honestly just going home because your mom, every time you step foot in the house, is like, Are you seeing anyone? Is there someone special in your life? I know some of you have moms like that, okay? For others of you, maybe a trigger that you're just now starting to realize is you're looking around at your friend group and everyone's in a relationship. And here's what I'll say to that. You need new friends. I know it sounds harsh, but you need new friends. It is so important that you have people in your life that are in your same season. Because it is really hard to combat that. It just feels really hard for you when you're looking around and everyone's in a relationship and you're like, that's not me. Well, go and put yourself in a new sphere of people. Put yourself in a new pool of people that don't put you on that thought path where you're suddenly feeling like the odd man out. It doesn't mean that you have to change your entire life, y'all. It just means being more aware of the things that trigger you so that you can then combat them. The last thing I'll say is that you should say yes a lot in this season. Say yes a lot. Say yes to a full life, full of things that bring you so much joy and purpose. Say yes to a life that you are proud of that at the end of it, you're gonna have so much to say that you did. 
One of the things that I loved about Dave is that his life was already so much fun without me. And I wanted to be part of that adventure with him. It was so easy for me to be like, yeah, I want, I want that. I want to hang out with him forever because his life was already fun without me. You want to go and visit a new city? Do that. You want to go and move to a new city? Do that. You want to go and get your master's? Do that. You want to serve with high school students? I don't know. It's a four-year commitment. I don't know what my life's going to look like in four years. So what? Do that. Y'all, pursue the life that your future spouse, when they come along and they see what's going on in your life, you are so proud to invite them into it. You guys have so much to offer in this season. But if you are only focused on the, the, the status, your relationship status that you don't have, you'll only ever see yourself at a disadvantage. Here's what I mean by that, is that the enemy always wants to convince us of this, is that we amplify the benefits of someone else's life and downplay its limitations. We amplify the benefits, all the good things, all the pros of someone else's life while we downplay its limitations. You're not always focused on the things that married people don't have because you're too busy focused on all the things you think that they do have. And on the flip side of that, what we do to ourselves is that we amplify the limitations of our own life and downplay its benefits. In other words, the grass is always greener in your mind. The grass is always greener. And you feel like you're only limited or always limited in your capacity to experience the fullness of this season because you are so unwilling to water the grass that you are already standing on. And we miss out on so much life that way. And God does not want you to miss out. God wants you to experience the fullness of the season that you find yourself in. But in order to do that, we have to maximize, we have to leverage this season. And we have to see this season as the gift that it is. Let me ask you, if someone gave you a gift, it was wrapped real nice and it had a big bow on it. If someone gave you that gift, would you just like leave it there? Would you leave it unopened? No, that's crazy. You would not do that. You would open the gift that someone was giving you. In fact, it might be offensive if you didn't. You would open it. You would discover what's inside it. You would find out all of what it comprised of. So what if you did that? What if you chose to see this season as the gift that it is and you opened it up and you experienced what was inside of it? Let me pray for us. God, you're amazing and we love you. And I just pray over all of the students in this room. They're in such an awesome place in their life. And some of them aren't seeing it that way. And I just pray that you would give them the courage to do that. 
Would you give them the courage to not see themselves as limited in this time frame? But they have all of what they need right in front of them, but would you give them the courage and the stamina and the energy to go and chase after what you have for them? We love you so much, and we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.